I certainly don't want to raise expectations too high, but if I say so myself, I feel really good about this show. We're going to talk about education policy first, and then lots of listener feedback. We'll do that and a whole lot more. Stick with us for the Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. In my day job, while I'm certainly in higher education, I partly do, I would say it's sales. When you're in higher education, you are talking with families and students and parents about your university uh, as, op- as opposed to other options they have for college. And so at some level, you're a sales guy. So I'm all about this old adage where you under-promise and over-deliver. That's a thing in the business world. You don't want to over-promise and then under-deliver. And as the host of the show, over the next 50 minutes of your life as you're giving the show time, and I'm grateful that you're giving the show time, I don't want to over-promise and then under-deliver, but I am going to go ahead and go out on this precarious limb and say, hey, this is going to be good. It's going to be a good show we have. I have a good plan, and we're going to dive in on it here in just a minute. We're going to start here. I had out on Facebook a request for memes. So that's internet posts, and I wanted to see what memes people had. They found interesting. I actually got more than I thought I would get. And one of them in the education world sparked my thinking like crazy. Like, you know how my mind goes, those of you that know me. Once one thought fires, it leads to a lot of other thoughts. And so we're going to start there. After that, a mayor in a small South Carolina town made news in the worst way. I want to talk about that. And then some listener feedback. I got some fun fun memes from Paul, from Sharon, from, uh, from Laura. Also, Wayne, a great listener, wrote to me about my thoughts on of last week when I talked about liquor sales policy. And then if, I, if we have time, I want to talk about a CNN panel I witnessed where they said an absurd thing. And then finally, Heath and I, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about sports. We certainly will. And some great talk. I think if you're a basketball uh, historian or you think about the legacy of great athletes in basketball, but also we're going to talk about together these transge- transgender athletes, these men who are getting to compete with women and the unfairness of that. So with that table set before us, we're going to start feasting in a moment. But first, my name is Corey Truax. We are dedicated to smarter, better, deeper talk about everything here on the Corey Truax Show. Welcome in on Christian Talk 660 and 92.9 FM if you were listening live on Saturday morning or for those of you listening to the podcast. So I am so grateful that you are there and you are streaming the show today. And if you would be so kind, share it with someone else. Tell somebody about it as we continue to have that slow growth. I made the joke on Facebook this week, they got a good reaction that you can join the tens and tens of happy people who listen to my show in one of these days. If you work hard, it'll be dozens and dozens. Of course, I'm a little joking. I'm just joking a little on that, but genuinely, thank you for listening on the podcast or live, wherever it is. One last thing on me, I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets in Greenville, South Carolina, and you are invited any given Sunday morning at 1030 for Beachwood Church. You can find us on Facebook or at beachwood.cc. Here we go. The meme I saw was of the sarcastic nature. And I do love some sarcasm. It is the language in which I most traffic. I am a sarcastic person. Sometimes that is to my benefit. Sometimes not so much. It gets me into trouble sometimes with my my sharp tongue. I often, uh, people will say when, they're, when they like me, they'll say I have a quick wit. When I've gone too far, they'll say I have a sharp tongue. That quick wit becomes a sharp tongue, and the line that you cross from quick wit to sh- quick wit to sharp tongue, 
usually is your level of sarcasm. And so I do appreciate some sarcasm and using it in argumentation. And so here was this post from Iowans for Public Education. It was going around the internet because Iowa is apparently discussing school vouchers. And they're making a sarcastic point I'm going to read to you. Before I read it to you, I want to give this context. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if we were actually having debates on education policy? I feel like we did when I was a kid here in South Carolina. Like in middle school and high school, I feel like we did have debates that were about school vouchers and school choice. There was some school choice instituted. But like this used to be a thing. Like we really debated education policy. And we've gotten so federal with our politics that we tend to only have concern for what's happening in Washington, D.C. and the personalities around that. And we don't care about these local things like we like we should and like we used to. And so let me read it to you, and then we have some work to do. Here is the meme. It's a lady being quoted, and she looks like a sensible, educated, middle-aged woman. Here's the quote. This is the made-up quote. She's being sarcastic, trying to make a point about school vouchers. Here's the quote. My husband and I have decided the local parks just aren't good enough for our kids. We'd rather use the country club, and we are hoping state tax dollars will pay for it. We're advocating for park savings accounts. We promise to no longer use the local parks to uh, go with Hades to Hades with anyone else or the community as a whole. We want our tax dollars to be used to make the best choice for our family. And then it asks the questions outside the quote. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Tell your, tell your legislator no on education savings accounts. Okay, so just you can see the argument they're making. So just put uh, in the park system, put the public school system. So my husband and I think that the public schools aren't good enough for our kids, so we want to use the private school, and we're hoping that the state tax dollars will pay for our kid to go to private school. So we promise we won't send our kids to public school, and our attitude around that is to heck with everybody else. And so it's a, a caricature of your opponent's position. And this is a big theme on my show, too, that if you can't faithfully exhibit, if you can't faithfully recite your opponent's position, you don't have a right to your own position. You don't have a right to argue for yourself if you can't faithfully give your opponent's position and not turn it into a childish, immature caricature. And that's what this is. The, the parent out there who, who wants a way to use the tax dollars they're already paying to send their kid to a private school, you know what their attitude isn't? Their, adi- their attitude isn't, I just hate everybody. I hate the community. I don't want anything good for anyone else. Their attitude is that they care for their kid. They care for their child. They want to see that child well-educated. And that is not to say the public school system can't do it because the public school system can do it. There's some great teachers and great administrators and good people there. But the attitude of the person who's for school vouchers and school choice, someone like me, our attitude isn't that we hate everybody else. It's that we think every parent and every family should have some empowerment to make the choice that's best for their kid. And every parent across all income spectrums deserves to have that opportunity. Now, the way in which they also, in this meme, they argue that the point would be, we want government money to help me pay for my private school education. And so I want to make one clarification on the policy, and then I want to get into education more broadly. There's two ways to do school vouchers. The first way, I'm generally not in favor of. One of the ways that's been argued is that you do school vouchers through per-pupil spending. So you can get this number from most departments of education in this, in this country. Go to the State Department of Education, and you can get a statistic. How much is the education spending per pupil? 
in the one system of vouchers is this. If the state says, we're spending $15,000 per pupil, one argument is if you've got a kid in the system, you should be able to get a voucher for $15,000 because that's what the government was going to pay anyway. And so you should be able to take that $15,000 and send it wherever you want to send your kid to the school of your choice, public, private, religious, secular, whatever you want. I'm not in favor of that kind of school voucher. I am for the second type of school voucher. The second type of school voucher would say this. I've got a kid in the system, and when we add up all my property taxes and we and what percentage goes to schools and we add up after all my tax bill, the percentage that would have gone to education, and let's just say that number is $7,000 this year. Well, I want that $7,000 not, not back to me, not as a refund, but as a voucher. It's $7,000 that instead of going to the public school that I'm not going to use, I would like to send it to the private school of my choosing. Now, people on the opposite side of this, they immediately say, well, what about you, Corey? You don't even have kids in the system. People like you would then say, you don't want your money in the public schools because you're not sending your kids there, and then our public schools will be underfunded. Ah, good point. And I mean that. Okay, fine. Decent argument. My argument is not that people like me should be able to just not pay in. My argument is... If you have a kid in the system, if your kid is going to be educated, that we should empower parents because parents are the best motivated, at least at large, they are the best equipped to make educational decisions for your kid. And some teachers I know hate when I say that. Some professionals I know in education hate when I say that. But I'm going to say it one more time. The parent is the best equipped to make educational decisions, not you. I don't care how many degrees you have on your wall. I don't care how impressive your curriculum vitae and your your resume is. Parents have the motivation and expertise required to make a decision for their kid, not you. And so, no, people like me can't say we can get our tax dollars back, but if you, are all, if you are going to be using an educational resource and you're having to pay into the system, you should be able to take your money somewhere else. That's my school voucher system. That's the one I would prefer. And that is one where that isn't the government paying for your, uh, subsidizing your kid. So the way they uh, this meme lays it out, I would also oppose that. I'm not in favor of, I want the government to pay for my kid to go to private school. Well, I don't want the government to do that either. But whatever taxes you are paying, if you want to use that towards a private education, charter education, whatever, what any, any other kind of education, I'm for you using your own dollars to do that because you're the parent and you should be empowered to do it. All right, so that's the meme. The meme is dumb. The meme caricature, caricature, caricatures? Yeah, that's it. Caricatures the position because it's easy to set up a straw man and burn the straw man down. It makes you feel very special. So that's it's that kind of meme. And then it makes an argument for one kind of voucher that I, I wouldn't necessarily be for, but in general, it's best to have parents in charge. Now, some more things broadly on education. Number one, for uh, about a 10-year period when I was into politics, let's call it from when I was 15 to 25, 15 years old to 25 years old, if people asked me what's the most important thing in politics, I would get towards the debt and I would get towards a deficit pretty quick, but my top two things were this. The two biggest problems we have are education and the media. It's we have an education system that doesn't inform and educate well, and we have a media that is biased and misinformed. These are the biggest threats to the American people, a lackluster education system and a media that is deceptive. Now, I fell off a lot of that and got into some other things, the more theological I got instead of political, but I would still say 
at a fundamental core, the most important issue for our future, it likely is education. It's having an education system that equips students for the jobs of 5, 10, and 15 years from now. It's having an education system that equips students to be discerning thinkers that can process information and not just assimilate to processes in the school system, but but actually be critically thinking through it. And so I still think this might be the most important thing we can get right, the most important thing we can talk about. And so when we come back, we're going to go faster than we've been going, but I want to give you some core thoughts about education policy in whatever state you're in Some of it will be popular, some of it will be unpopular, but we all know me, and that's how I like to be. I like to make everyone happy and mad all at the same time, and we will do that when we come back. We'll get started on education policy, then move on to other things. When we return for the rest of the Corey Truax Show, stick with us. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show. Connect to the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there. You can also email the show at CoreyTruax at gmail. No, that's wrong. CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com is the best way to get me there. And you can also call into the show on Anchor. If you have the Anchor app, anchor.fm is the website, or just download the app Anchor, you can call, leave a voicemail. I've had a couple leave voicemails. They were just too long, and I can't do that, guys. If you, if you leave me three minutes of content, it's just too much. But if you want to be a little pithier, go a little shorter, that's great. Call into the Anchor app and uh, tell me how wrong I am about something. I promise I won't play your clip in a way that makes fun of you. I'll just respond to it. Okay, so talking about education policy this morning, and we laid out this meme that, that was anti-voucher, and I just respond, it's a, it's, it's a logical meme, and just lay out this case. Vouchers are good. School choice is good. It's good to empower the parent over the system to know what's best for their kid. And it's also, I, I consider it to be the most fair. If you're going to have a kid in the system and be paying in, just like every part of every other part of the economy and every other part of life, you should have some say over how your dollars are spent and how your kid is educated. And so then, we finished the first segment with this thought. Education is deeply important. I think it might be the most important topic we could talk about, and it's a shame we don't talk about it more than we do. Now, Let's get to my uh, my core here. I'm not ever running for office, I promise. But if I do, and we get to education policy, and someone asks, what do you think, candidate Truax, about education policy? Here's where I stand. Education is for the kids. Anytime we come up with an idea, anytime we come up with a policy, teachers are important. Administrators are important. Parents are important. The school districts and the school district employees, they're all important. They are not most important. The deciding factor on an education policy needs to be the student. And much too often, that is not how we think through education. I see this from teachers that I don't know personally, but I see them on Facebook. They often seem to think that they're the reason the school exists. The school exists, the school system exists for them to have a job and get paid. Now, we don't, I'm going to get to my, one of my points here is we don't pay teachers enough, so wait, I'm getting there. But I need for teachers to know that. You're not the reason for the school system. They don't exist for you. They exist for the kids. And if you are valuing yourself over the student, then you need to get out of the profession. You don't need to teach. 
We set up the schools to educate the kids. They're not for you. I seem to see that out of administrators. They seem to think the school system is there for their own pension, their own retirement, their own paycheck. Hey, we didn't make up the school system for you guys. It's for the kids. And so where policies and ideas come into contention, where if I have to pick, if it helps the kid but it hurts you, then we're going to help the kid. And you can go do something else. So that's one. Every policy goes through that prism. Does it help the kids or not? The school system does not exist for the teachers. The school system does not exist for the administrators or the superintendent or the school board. And for the most part, it feels like that's what we're doing. We tend to think through what's going to be best for the employees of the district. And I want to be good to them. They have hard jobs. Guys, I work in higher ed. I'm out in high schools all the time. I can't imagine how much harder it might be in middle school and elementary school. But the school system cannot be for the teachers first, for the administrators first. It has to be for the kids first. Then point two, you will get the school system that you pay for. We, at least in this state, in South Carolina, we pay teachers garbage. We're not paying them enough for what we ask of them. And that's across the board. Elementary, early childhood. I know we don't pay high school teachers enough. The high school teachers I know, the extra things they do, like a lot of them have side jobs that I know, or they find extra things to do in the high school to make a little side money. They're, they're coaching a team that they don't necessarily aren't qualified for sometimes, or they really would rather be at home with the kids, but they have to be making a little extra money. I, I will just tell you, you will get you will get what you pay for in the public sector. I want to make an analogy on this and then a comparison. When it comes to educational outcomes, things like how we score on SAT scores and then when students do move on to college, and not all of them need to move on to college, by the way. That's not the, it is not a measurement of your school success if you got into a four-year university and then did well there. But where you do measure it that way, Connecticut tends to be the highest achieving school system in the country. They also pay their teachers the best. And they have highest retention rates. People stay teachers longer, but they stay teachers longer because they're, they're getting paid. You will get the system you pay for. I've mentioned this before. S- South Carolina, I, there's a couple other states that have the lowest satisfaction rate with their law enforcement. So when you poll the people about their interactions with law enforcement, South Carolina does not do well. You know what state does really well? Florida. One of the reasons they do well? They pay their cops, guys. And they require a higher educational standard. They require more hours of training. And that's expensive. It's expensive to pay cops more. It's expensive to train them more. But you know what you'll get? You will get better cops. This is the, this is the case across the entire economy. You'll get better employees. They'll stay longer at your software company, at your accounting firm, at your marketing company, whatever you do. You will get better people if you pay them. This also takes place in education. So while the school system is for the students, if you're going to have qualified teachers, you're going to have to pay them. I don't want to be a jerk, but I'm going to go and toss it out there for me. I have thought about how much I think I would love to teach. I think if you've listened to this show long enough, I think you know I would be awesome at it. When we're talking about teaching, whether it be argumentation or rhetoric or grammar or language or history as a storyteller, guys, I love to be a storyteller and tell stories in a way that are compelling and interesting and actually then draw conclusions from the information in stories. 
I think I would be an awesome middle school teacher, high school teacher. You guys have never seen me in front of a a room of high schoolers. I command that stage. They pay attention to me because you can come across in a way that's compelling and interesting. I'm not taking that pay cut. I've looked into that. Like, this is not a thing I would ever do. And you, you have talent out there that has the heart and the ability to go educate kids with excellence, but they're not going to use their talent and their ability to go do that at a sacrifice of the, of the earnings they could have otherwise. So the, the school system has to be for the kids, but then you do have to pay the teachers, and then you ask, well, how? How do we pay the teachers? All right, a couple ways here. One, we eliminate a lot of the administrative work. I'll give you an example. John Warren, a candidate for governor, brought out the fact that here in South Carolina, in the Spartanburg School District, uh, there is, I think, seven school districts in Spartanburg. So that means there's seven superintendents and there's seven, uh, what are the people that call the, I'll say accountants, but the people who run the books. There's seven people doing human resources, you know, seven different human resources office, offices. All right, so we eliminate that altogether. Count, the counties have their own school district. Greenville already has that. Greenville is a bigger county than Spartanburg. It has one giant school district, so you have the one superintendent and you have the one department for everything. You do that and you eliminate, now you're, you are going to eliminate a lot of jobs there, that's true, but we don't, the school system doesn't doesn't exist for that. The school system doesn't exist for those jobs. The school system exists for the kids and for the kids to have a better education. We're going to need better teachers, so we're going to need to save some money off of these administrative things. And then also, I'm about to make a bunch of people mad. You know, did you know that the purpose of education is not for your kid to play sports? It's not why it's there. It's not there for the arts. There are some things we probably do need to cut. And if, and if it's important enough to a community, then they can pay for it themselves over and above what they're paying in taxes. But we pay a lot for people to feel like they're high school stars at their sport, to put them on a stage. Listen, there's educational value. Don't get me wrong. There's educational value in learning teamwork and cooperation through sports, in learning memorization, in learning responsibility in theater and music. There's a lot of value there. But where it's not a core competency, we might need to eliminate some of those things. Where, where, so that we can pay the teachers who are teaching grammar and rhetoric and reading and writing and math and science and biology and anatomy and we're, chemistry when we're teaching these things that we have more funds available to do those things. Final thought for me. So my three big things for education. How do we have a better educational system? Well, one, we always focus on the student first. Number two, pay your teachers because you're going to get the educational system you pay for. And then three, this goes to my first point about vouchers. You have to allow a flex. You have to allow flexibility and innovation. Maybe even encourage flexibility and innovation. What I started with the voucher thing—that's just one way. One way to encourage innovation and flexibility is to say to parents who have kids in the system, "Well, the money you're paying in, whatever you were going to pay in in taxes, we want to give you that in a voucher to send your kid." wherever you think is going to be best for them. And then allow the innovation, the accrediting agencies that determine whether or not an education is worth having. Having the flexibility to come into the 21st century to recognize there's lots of different ways to educate, that there are online schools, and that's best for some kids. That there are charter schools that specialize in certain things, and that's best for some kids. That there are public schools and private Christian schools and private 
uh, secular schools, that there's a bunch of different ways to do school, that there's homeschooling and now homeschool associations, and that every kid is going to learn differently, and we want to have innovation and flexibility to allow parents and kids to experiment and figure out what the best way is for them to learn, and then let them do it. Another innovation. What's uh, about to tell everybody a hard truth. I was talking with a set of high school juniors because, again, I, I work in higher education. I talk to high schoolers regularly. I was talking to a set of high school juniors about how stressed out they were with schoolwork because junior year, especially in this state, is the hardest year. It's the hard, it's the hard year. And they were joking up, joking like crazy about how next year they were just going to coast. How they basically had two classes per semester. They're going to get up late. Maybe one was thinking about maybe trying to get a job, but maybe not. They're going to play a lot of video games. And just here we have the senior year for a lot of high school students is a nothing year. It's a waste to the point where they get in freshman year of college. They have to relearn a lot of what they had forgotten. They spend a lot of senior year doing nothing. We need to start allowing the innovation that we have a little bit with these uh, these dual enrollment type programs. Uh, there is uh, the one in Spartanburg County I'm most familiar with is at a place called Swafford, where these kids, junior and senior year, can go take community college level courses. And by the time they get out of high school, they are a, a, a CNA. They are like a certified nursing assistant. That they can go ahead and start working on some of the trades, maybe HVAC or start working towards being an electrician. Like, Go ahead and start working towards the trade they might want to get into. We need more of that and for that to be encouraged. And this is how we can have a better education system. Focus on the kid. What's best for the kid? And if it would affect a teacher negatively or an administrator negatively, okay, we're going to have to deal with that because we are about the kids. Realize that we're going to, number two, realize that we're going to get the education we pay for. And so restructure and 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 end in the uh, some of the I don't want to call it. Let's use a nice word. Let's just call it waste. That we're wasting money on some things we should not, and, and some some positions and some human resources that we don't need to be paying. And encourage the flexibility and innovation through funding and different ways of education that we can so that we can go back to that core point. Focus on the kids as the point of what we're doing there. Now, if you have feedback on that. Would love to hear it. You can call into Anchor, tell me how wrong I am, leave me a voicemail, or you can write to the show at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com, CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com, or find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, and give me your thoughts on that. Now, speaking of listener feedback, that's where I want to spend the rest of the segment. Here we go. First, from Wayne, a good friend and listener to the show, longtime listener to the show. He had a, a good email to me on alcohol sales on Sunday. So last week on the show, I said I was very much in favor of allowing alcohol sales on Sunday because why not? Why would we not allow that if a business owner wants to sell it on Sundays? Let them do it. It was uh, I call this an anachronism. It's a vestige of our past. That's not necessarily relevant to where we are now. Uh, but to sum up his email, I'll give you three points. Uh, one, he made the argument that is accurate. Alcohol is a drug. It, and his argument is, therefore, it should be regulated like other drugs. So one, uh, yeah, I actually believe that. I, I said last week on the show that if we discovered marijuana and alcohol today, up until this moment, we did not know they existed. If we discovered them both today, there is no question that five years from now, alcohol would be the more regulated substance. It is the mo more destructive. It is the one that's going to do more damage to people. I would argue it is the more addictive 
it is likely the one we would we would have the most regulation on. So it is a drug, and fine if we're going to regulate drugs and regulate it. But we do. We say 21. We don't say 18. We we have regulation on uh, what liquor stores close at uh, seven. Oh, they close at a certain time. Uh, that's before everyone else. At least if you're going to liquor stores, not going to like a restaurant or something like that. Uh, so we have some regulation on it. Right now, marijuana technically, recreationally, is illegal in the state, uh, and it's not. Uh, it's it's so it's actually more regulated than alcohol at the moment. And so yeah, I I mean I'll, I'll toss it out there as Wayne wrote in. Alcohol is a drug. It's destructive. It has wrecked things for a lot of people. It's also been just fine for a lot of folks. It's also been just a an ingredient in their life from time to time, and it's not it's not been a, a destructive force. So. So that's one. I, I will totally admit, yeah, alcohol's a drug, and we need to think about it that way and treat it that way with some caution. Uh, number two, I made the statement uh, because the the representative who was arguing against allowing alcohol, alcohol sales on Sunday, he made the statement that maybe he's just old-fashioned, and that's why he doesn't want to allow it. And I made fun of him. I said, yeah, you probably are old-fashioned, and that's not a reason for a law. And I think what Wayne's argument is, is there's lots of good things that are old-fashioned. We need some old-fashionedness or we're going to lose traditional morals. To which I respectfully reply, old-fashionedness is not a reason to do anything. The only reason to have a policy or a law is rightness or wrongness. And so there are some old-fashioned things that are super wrong. And just because they're old-fashioned doesn't mean we should do them. They're old-fashioned, and we should throw them away. Something having been the tradition is not a good reason to do anything. For every idea and every policy, we should re-examine. Is it smart? Is it good? Is it bad? Not, is it the way we've always done it? I'm going to say this again with a lot of clarity. Who cares if it's the way we've always done it? I'm, let me try to express, I don't know that I could possibly care less if it's the way that we've always done it. I only care if it's smart. I only care if it's right or wrong. I talked about on a recent episode, maybe seven or eight episodes ago, I took a personality quiz on this, and this was true of me. I just don't care about tradition at all. I don't care about group loyalty. Like, if it's if it's the way that my team did it and my family did it and my political party and my denomination, because I tell you, the Baptist world, there are they are against me on the alcohol sales on Sunday thing, but I don't care. Because I don't care what the tradition is. I just want to know what's right, wrong, moral, immoral, smart, not smart. That's all I care about in in evaluating the policy. And then finally, I do just lean libertarian. I know not everybody does. But I lean towards this idea. People are free. They're even free to do dumb things. They're even free to do immoral things. As long as their stupidity or immorality doesn't hurt someone else, then they're free to go be stupid and immoral. And that's where I stand on alcohol sales on Sunday. If someone wants to go get alcohol on Sunday at a liquor store, I don't care. Just don't hurt anybody. Don't. Now, I care at some level, but in terms of government policy, I don't care that that's what they want to do. All right, so that was one piece of listener feedback. Then, Paul, I, I asked people to send me memes Paul wrote in on social media, sent me a meme on Facebook that said, Mice die in mousetraps because they do not understand why the cheese is free. The same thing happens with socialism. Not a bad point. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that mice die in mousetraps. Uh, but this concept of 
animals that don't have to work for what they're getting stop working. This happens in socialism as well. That was that's been true across Eastern Europe. Really, where socialism in a pure form, any kind of pure form, has been enacted, you will have the burden of those who just stop being productive because they don't know uh, they don't know the association that you should have between having and working. Uh, then there was another meme sent to me uh, from Sharon. She wrote in with a very funny meme. I got to be careful. I don't want to start a war. Start a war with this one. Uh, it says uh, the two different types of teens sneaking out to get shots. And teenagers sneaking out to get shots in 1999, it's alcohol. And then teens, teenagers sneaking out to get shots in 2019 is them getting a measles vaccine. <laughs> I know there's a whole bunch of anti-vaccine people out there. I'm not one of them. But sheesh, that's funny. Yeah, Teenagers in 2019 going out to get their measles vaccine because mom and dad wouldn't do it for them. All right, when we come back, I got one more meme I want to share with you and then an incredible story from a small-town South Carolina mayor. You have to hear this. We will do it when we return on The Corey Truax Show. Just one more listener feedback story I want to get to and then a small-town South Carolina mayor story, and then we'll move on to sports. You're listening to The Corey Truax Show on Christian Talk 660, 92.9 FM. Also, the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, oh, yeah, that was the thing I wanted to do. There is a, some small group of you listening on an app called Overcast. I don't know who you are, but my analytics tell me there's like 30 people listening on a little app called Overcast. Will you tell me who you are? If you're one of the people out there listening on Overcast, would you like get in touch with the show? Just Corey Truax at show at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I don't care which one. And just say, hey, that's me. I'm one of the people listening out there on Overcast. I'd love to know who you are because uh, that's the it's starting to become bigger than Spotify for me as a, as a podcaster where you guys are, are listening. And thank you, whoever you are, for listening. Okay, final parts here. I got sent a story by Laura. This wasn't listener feedback. This was a person telling me, hey, here's a story you need to pay attention to. You might have heard this. There's a judge in Alabama who was allowing, to me, a very important case to go forward. A young man, a teenager, who got his girlfriend pregnant. He's a fornicator, is what he is. But he also doesn't want to see his kid die. And that seems to be the inclination of his bride. Or, excuse me, not his bride, of his girlfriend. And he has successfully sued. He has successfully gotten a decision from a judge that this woman, this young girl, she can't kill his kid in the womb. I love this guy for coming up with the idea. I love this guy for just going ahead and asserting what is in the womb is also mine. It's not just yours. I have a right to raise my kid. And so now this is going to go through several judges. i got to be honest, don't feel good about it. I don't feel like it. it's going to work out well in the end for this guy. But at least it is a worthwhile argument to be having. And so Laura sent that into the show. Thank you, Laura, for that. That leads us to probably the final the final story for the day, which comes to us from Lamar, South Carolina, a tiny little town. Now, in broadcasting school, uh, of which I've never been to a day, uh, but the guys who have been in the business for a long time tell me, never read the story on the air. You always just summarize the story that you read. Now, I'm about to do that, not because I follow directions, but because we're running out of time. I have like one minute to give you the story. Here's the short end of it. Lamar, South Carolina has a mayor named Darnell Bird McPherson. She reported to the police, there's been a hate crime, a hate crime on my property. And then what was discovered 
was the stuff that was on her car because she saw she thought someone had vandalized her car with some kind of chemical or substance. But once there was a little investigation, what she found was pollen. She had been hate crimed by her trees. Now I am a hater of pollen. It messes up my sinuses and my allergies. It makes everything gross. And then when it rains, it turns everything yellow. I don't like the pollen. But this lady thought she had been hate-crimed. Now, she did this because there is uh, something we've covered recently on the show. There's a desire to be a victim. And it's a thing we need to get out of our lives. For all of us, there is no value in being a victim. Now, we're all out of time. We've got to move on to sports with Heath. But remember, share the show with others. Get it out there on social media. I'd be grateful if you would. Let's move on to sports. We're going to finish up talking sports with our sports correspondent. His name is Heath Powell. Hello there, sir. Hello. Let's start here on our, the uh, what do they call that show? The Wide World of Sports? Yeah. Yeah, the old ABC show. Yeah. So on our version of the Wide World of Sports, I do want to talk about something that kind of uh, transitions between cultural things and sports. Right. So we have the story out of Connecticut, a few other stories of men, biological men, mm-hmm. competing with women. Even one story out of London where a rapper, just as a joke, said he was a woman, that he broke the deadlifting record. For yep. women, and then just said, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a guy." Right. And so, just generally, <laughs> as you look out into the world of sports, I find this to be a very unfair thing towards female athletes. What's been your reaction as you've seen it happen? Yeah, but the the very people that are proponents for equality for women, equality for all peoples, and listen, we're in America. You have the right. No, okay. Um, politically speaking, to identify, call yourself, you know, pronouns, wh- whatever you like, sure. to do that. And you know, it it is what it is. Now, I personally probably won't call you uh, she if you're a he, but that's my right to do that. Absolutely that is, is not a hate speech. That's just your DNA says you are this. You have a Y chromosome. Yeah, that's exactly right. But my point is the very people they're seeking to um, have equality with, the women they're hindering by letting these dudes, let's call them what they are, yeah. men compete against girls. It's just how it is. It's not fair to them and let's let's get this straight if if you're in the nfl or you're in the ufc and you take testosterone it's an illegally banned substance good point you can be fined uh, mm-hmm. disqualified put in jail whatever but as soon as a dude who can't compete with the other guys moves to the women's level you know in competition takes testosterone and identifies as a girl it's perfectly legal. You can take however much you want. It's incredible. It's just it is a immoral act towards those women, right? Because we we actually have a if there's a place in the world to be a female athlete, be one in America. Yeah, this is where we spend a lot of money on, on female right. sports comparatively, and now we have men ruining female sports because they're going to dominate everything. And time I don't play. see how the women's lib and all these people who are you know women's activists don't have a problem with this. Yeah, unless they're so scared to offend another sect of. People that identify as something that they're not. Yep. Well, that's a tennis star, female tennis star for years. She was an open activist lesbian. They've kicked her out of the LGBT movement because she says, no, men should not be able to compete with women and just call themselves women. Navratilova. Thank you. Navratilova. I can't say it, man. Navratilova. Thank you, man. <laughs> this is why one of the reasons you're on the show is pronounced weird athlete names. She's been, like, excommunicated. She's not invited to the party. Yeah, anymore. which is such hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't see your own hypocrisy in this, you're you're obviously blind. Like, it's insane. I'm about to be a real jerk, but I'm also going to be say, say something that's accurate. If we do this, if we intermingle biological men with biological women, there will be no women on any teams. 
No, there won't. Because just a matter of fact of having a more biologically speaking, absolutely, that's right. There is guys who can't make Division three basketball teams who would start for the University of Tennessee or Connecticut for the women's basketball team. Yeah, they, of course they would. That's just how it is. They're it's bigger, just stronger, how faster. People are made yeah. whether you identify with how you're made or not. I think there's one sport that the female body has advantage, and I think it's gymnastics. Yep. They're, they have uh, naturally more flexibility. Right. But men actually have still more power, more uh, more balance, yep. just naturally. And you can't be mad at me. That's just called science. That's just how it is. Yeah, this is not a sexist, politically charged... Th- it's just what it is. You know, the one that actually gets me the most is like, running. I am a yeah. dude. Yeah. My wife is a woman. We identify as a dude and a woman. <laughs> you know how crazy it is that that sounds revolutionary now? Yeah, it's insane. It's a normal sentence. Like, I can say that and be labeled... It's hate speech. Really, you just said like, "No, you're not a guy, ma'am. You're you're a ma'am. Don't call me ma'am." This is literally no. just stuff in the biology textbooks from a couple years ago. It won't be there for long. No, that, they'll take that. It'll aside. be removed. Should, running is the one that's most fun to me because at least with like other female to male sports, there's often a different size court or the the goal gets removed, right. or something like that. A distance is a distance. Hundred meters, meters is hundred meters. meters. That's yeah. right. And so when the actually was this year the state championship winner in Florida, the male high school winner was faster than the woman who won in the college ranks. Yeah, of course. Because it's just that's just the male body. They're right? just built that way. It's just how it is. Right. And it shouldn't be that hard. Okay. Yeah, so all these girls yeah. in Connecticut that got ribbed off mm-hmm. by these dudes winning the trophies and the championships should be highly, highly agitated and offended. You should be offended. So, Everybody's offended about everything, but yeah. you should justly be offended about this. Yeah, this is actually a, an injustice towards women who want to be it in is. athletics. Yeah. Uh, and I... I would love to see Connecticut and others come along to find. Maybe you have to have a third league yep. for transgender people. Maybe, uh, but it's not right to have men competing with women. But as soon as you're a dude and you identify, you're out of athletic competition. Yeah, you can't compete with the guys because nope. you don't. You can't compete with the women because you're not one. Yes, let's just call it what it is. Even if you have all the surgeries, that's not what you are. No, and I again would argue maybe for a third way to participate maybe if there's only two of you you can you participate against each other now you can be the champion of two that's it you're still everyone gets at least a gold or silver what they do in that scenario everyone gets a trophy so someone who <laughs> no longer is identifying as a Pittsburgh Steeler check out that professional broadcasting segue is Antonio Brown Antonio Brown has been traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers over to the Oakland Raiders mm-hmm. trades in his black and gold for black and silver yep uh, gen- generally, my thoughts on Antonio Brown is he is a pompous jerk, even more than I am. Like it's hard to out pompous me, <laughs> but he's a pompous jerk who caused a trade because he seems to not like his team or teammates. Yeah, he was he was out there, you know, running his mouth, and it was all calculated. To, this is personally, I don't know this for a fact, but personally speaking, it seemed calculated to me. He was gonna because they had no intentions of trading him. I, I don't think no um, to force a trade. You know, he's not gonna do anything to help them. He's gonna force them to trade him and. Whatever he did, it worked because he's he's out. And he they didn't get much in return. No, they didn't. What two draft picks? It was a third and a fifth rounder. Right. And if you don't know, Antonio Brown's led the league. He's really been the best receiver in the league for two or three years. Yeah, I just hope Derek Carr can throw it to him. Yeah. Like, like you go from Big Ben, who's gonna who's gonna send the ball to you? Yeah. You know, to I don't know what's gonna happen in Oakland. Yeah, the Antonio Antonio Brown might need he might need to have uh, he doesn't something he doesn't recognize he was playing with arguably the best running back a lot of that Le'Veon Bell yep. often playing with Martavis Bryant yep. often playing with Darius Hayward Bay Juju Juju Smith Schuster like you had so much talent around you teams really couldn't double team you you right. had a lot of single coverage 
Brother, you're about to get a lot of attention. You're about to be triple teamed because there's nobody else to throw it to. <laughs> Jay Gruden has destroyed that team. Right. It's not like Amari Cooper's on the other side. I don't know. Do you think, though, there's there's some genius to what Gruden did well, with get, all the draft picks coming in? You get a fifth. You get it Antonio seem, Brown for a fifth and third? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It seems to me like this is one of those Cowboys-Vikings-Herschel Walker deals yeah. where the Cowboys built like a dynasty off of that one trade. Yeah, they, yeah, we, we really did. The Cowboys did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this, I, I don't put it past Jay Gruden. He might have accidentally made this awesome move. Yeah, but it's going to work out well for them. With the, all those draft picks too, this is a great draft for defense. Mm-hmm. And he can he can build a defense out of this draft. Yeah, this defense is just stacked top to bottom with outstanding players. When you consider that either Ed Oliver or Dexter Lawrence is your fifth best defensive tackle in the draft. Yeah, no kidding. Like they're, It's crazy. They're incredible. It's this, crazy. This draft is. And so, uh, the, Antonio Brown, not going to be wearing the black it's, and silver. It's weird how the draft is cyclical. Like You have a stacked quarterback class. Yep. You have a weak defense. Now you have a stacked defensive class. You have a super, super, super weak quarterback class. You do, yeah, this is a terrible it's quarterback horrible. class. We'll talk about that more in depth later date. Final, uh, final topic for sports today. Much was made of King James, LeBron James, yep. passing the, the the greatest basketball player in the history of mankind, Michael Jordan, as for the fourth mo- fourth highest on the all-time points list, which rekindled the GOAT conversation, uh, to which I just, I just uh, I really resent it. I just resent the idea, Michael Jordan, who really was in something of a squalor for yep. a Bulls team for six or seven years. This is correct, yeah. And then really had... A great player in Scottie Pippen. Yep. After that, some decent role players. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they brought in Rodman for a couple of years. You know, sure. Who's, Ron Harper was a fine point no, guard. Dennis Rodman gets no credit that he deserves. Like, just put all the wedding dress off the court stuff. Yeah. This dude was a fantastic – I mean, he was an awesome basketball player. He may have been the best athlete on the Bulls yes, and yeah, the Spurs absolutely. and the Pistons. Yes. Like, he just was. Yeah. Just go back and watch some of them. Incredible defender. Right. I uh, actually like how Rodman played the game. If you see Jordan and, and Rodman standing next to each other, Rodman's probably an inch and a half taller than Jordan. Yes. He's not 6'8", six, 6'7". Six, he, yeah. He's a good 6'5 half. Yes. And he's the best you know best rebounder in we've ever seen. the history of the league. Yeah, we've me. never yeah. seen him in the league. Right. He, was, he was incredible. Uh, Jordan just often being that guy who put a team on his back – in a way that LeBron has always not been. He's right. always included other people. That's why we're right. supposed to like him is because he includes the other folks. Where Jordan was Look, often the – he put everything on himself. But not only that, the other team knew that it was going to be Jordan. That's a good point. And the other team knew that they could not stop him. Yeah. That's why the Pistons were trying to decapitate him all those years in the playoffs, which yeah. led to Jordan you know, getting the nutritionist and the weightlifting strength coach and all that stuff so, yeah. he could, so he could make it through the playoffs without getting to, murdered. The two years ago finals where the uh, where the Cavs beat the Warriors in Game Seven. Yep, one of the most indicative moments of LeBron James's career is that Kyrie Irving took the game winning shot and hit it, not him. That's right. This happened with some other teams he's been on. Yeah, LeBron James is one of the best possible players of all time. I think he's third or fourth. Yeah, there is something that you're you have to have in your heart and your instinct that he does not have. No, Jordan is a straight assassin. He's, he is. You know that he's getting the ball, and the other team knows it. There's nothing you can do about it. I feel like Kobe Bryant had that same thing. Yeah, Kobe Larry, Bryant had the same mentality. Larry Bird had the same mentality. Larry Bird had the same mentality. LeBron's you, a different animal altogether. LeBron is one of the best basketball players that has ever lived. Now, there's a difference between the greatest and one of the best. Yeah. Let's qualify what we're saying here. And, I, you know, I know this generation's all LeBron, all this stuff. Sure. You just need. You just don't know what you're talking about. No. Personally speaking, and I disagree with everybody that says LeBron is the greatest, I do not agree. 
I don't even think he's better than Bill Russell, Kareem. I yeah. don't think he's better than any of those guys. He is unbelievably talented, but he had some advantages that I also get him. You have the last word on this. Here's my last big thing on LeBron. LeBron had a genetic advantage that not a lot of other guys had. Yep. In most generations, he would have played tied in or defensive end. He took that to the basketball court. And so he was a different person on the floor than everyone else. Yep. Michael Jordan was not a special athlete. He was not. He was had Reggie Miller was just as athletic. John Starks was just as athletic. He got cut from his own high school team. Exactly. Jordan is great because of hard work. He sure is. LeBron, now he didn't waste it. He wasn't like no, a no. Jadavian Clowney. Right. Jadavian Clowney had gifts and he wasted them. Right. No, LeBron made the most of what he was gifted with, and, and that's a credit to him. I admire him and his own personal character, his personal life. Right. But let's – the guy started on third base. Yeah. He's trying to get home here. Right. Look, Michael started in the batter's box and got Michael, home. Michael started on the bench. That's where he started. <laughs> let's just be real. Yeah. So, he had to drive. He got cut, and he had to drive to be the best on any court he was on. Yes. And, and he worked for it. And he's the best I ever Not saw to say Le- I don't think LeBron is lazy. He puts no. a lot a lot of sure money does. and attention onto his body and strength yes. and all this stuff. Here's my last word on it. The league now is a soft league. Yes. There is no hand checking. There is no body checking. Harden does a step back three and gets breathed on, falls down, he gets three shots. <laughs> uh, it's just absolutely insane. Here's what you do. How would Jordan perform in today's NBA? How would LeBron perform in 1995's NBA? Great point. Or 1988, even worse. Yeah. What would happen? Now, you make your own decision. Yeah, that's an easy one to me. Le- Le- Jordan would be averaging 40 a game. In this league. Oh, maybe, it'd be. Maybe more. It'd be over. I mean, because he, he got beat up. No, he got dist- – I mean, Bill Lambeer, Rick Mahorn, yeah. all these guys – Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale was a hard, hard player. So, man, I'll even take you back to those Western Conference Finals against uh, Mark Jackson and Reggie Miller. They were – I mean, even a, uh, in the finals against the Sonics, yeah, they Sean had, Kemp got him pretty good. Yeah, Dell Davis, Antonio Davis, Rick Smith. These guys were not soft players. Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing, John and Starks. John Starks is the one I'm thinking of. That's it. No, Charles Oakley. Yes. These guys are straight brawlers just playing basketball. This is a different basketball game It's a game different we league than it, was, than it is now. Yeah. So just think about that. LeBron. What if LeBron played then? What if Jordan played now? That's and you, you make your decision. We'll argue, sir. Thanks for coming in and doing sports. I appreciate we'll it. We'll be back with another, another new edition of the Corey Truax Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.